0: Hello and welcome to Frankly Speaking with Lynn Franks and Friends. I am your host, Lynn Franks, and today I'm going to be speaking to my friend, Marnetta Viegas, who has been a children's performer since graduating in performing arts in 92. She uh, set up her first children's entertainment business with support from the Prince's Trust and was invited to perform at Buckingham Palace for Prince Charles' 50th birthday, which was quite some time ago now. She then founded Relax Kids, which was the world's first mindfulness and relaxation business for children in 2000. She's published 12 children's meditation books, 25 videos. She has trained over 5,000 franchisees, mostly women, to teach Relax Kids classes around the world in 50 countries. She does many, many things, and I am a huge fan. But we are talking today about her personal life too, and about her constant challenges with her body dysmorphia, to burlesque, to model for friends' underwear companies, and really changing her narrative that she may not have been born a tall, skinny blonde. In fact, she's born from a, a beautiful Indian father and a white English mother. Uh, but what it was like to be at Mixed Race, the only Mixed Race girl in her class, and coming through that to achieve the most extraordinary and wonderful, helpful initiatives that have helped children all over the world. Welcome to Frankly Speaking with Lynn Franks and Friends. And today I'm with my good friend, Manetta Villegas, who I have known now for probably, what, about 20 years, do you think? At least. Yeah. At least. And when I first met you, you were a clown. I think one of the first times I saw you, you were dressed as a clown. Yeah. So you've had an extraordinary life. Today you are running The very, very successful Relax Kids, which is your business, which trains other, mostly women, to work with children, teaching them meditation, relaxation, fairy tales, and more. We're going to talk about that more in depth later, but you have bravely and kindly agreed to talk about all the other stuff going on in your life. And your courage is always so inspiring because you challenge yourself constantly since i've known you in 20 years it's even being the clown even all the stuff you've done on stage even the pantomimes so let's talk about how it all started so you are of mixed race your mother's english and your father's indian and i i know you were born over here do you want to start talking a little bit about your life and uh your childhood and and then your mother's in a spiritual organization that you yeah. got involved in
1: yeah so my father's from goa So Portuguese, um, Indian, my mother was a farmer's daughter and she met this beautiful Indian man at her university. He was her teacher and they got married and they had me. And then we spent the first four years in Iran around the time of the Shah and, and then came back and my father had his second heart attack and so lost that job and so, but they spent all their money on my education. So I did. I'm so grateful. I did go to a private school. And so because I know I would not have, they knew, I would not have managed in a state school. Now I look back and I think, yeah, I know why, because there are possibly some labels like dyslexia and all those other things. I don't like to put labels on, but you can see how some children need that extra support which I was very lucky. And you you have a younger sister as well so she I do she had one year in private school and hated it so she went she went to a convent public's Public school, I don't really know the name. Comprehensive. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, so, but from a very young age, it was all about performance for me. I, my cousins and my sister will rib me now for bossing them into making them do puppet shows at Christmas and all those sorts of things. I was very bossy, so I was always a bit of a leader. And yeah, so I ended up doing a degree in performing arts I went to Music Welsh College of Music and Drama for one year. Then ended up doing this degree in Performing Arts in the late nineties, late eighties, early nineties. And coming out of university, I really wanted to be a children's TV presenter. But at the time, I looked at myself and I looked at all the girls on TV, and they weren't white. I, I wasn't white. I wasn't thin. And I didn't consider myself pretty. So those were three things. And actually, Lynn, those are three things. If I look back, they're three things I've always wanted. It's unbelievable. Want to be white, thin and white, pretty. White, slim and pretty. Those are the three things because I was the only mixed race child pretty much at school. And so I would be I would be in awe of the, the, the slim, pretty white girls with long blonde hair. And now I look back, and I just think, oh, it's so ridiculous how many years have been wasted. And I remember my mum getting this, is it called that that blue stuff to try and make my hair look pretty and it wasn't right. And I read Jackie magazines. and <laughs> so a damage um, done
0: by Jackie magazines. I, I obviously am not being straight, but I'm Jewish, and I always wanted to be tall and slim with long blonde hair. What is it about the tall, slim, long blonde hair thing that we wanted in fact? Well, the marketers have done a good job. Yeah, exactly. It's all marketing people's fault. And when I look back, and I think we had this conversation the other day, when we look back at pictures from when we were young, we were beautiful, pretty, vivacious, powerful young women, but because of societal um, experiences, I guess, and and societal influences, we we thought we should be something other than we were, which is so ridiculous. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's what pushed me out of thinking I can't put myself Go for, I started going for auditions to be an actress and it was rejection after rejection and so I thought I can't do this so I'm going to set up a business as a clown and that's so I went straight in after university within the first six months of setting up my own business and that was very very successful at the time. So you were going around doing
0: children's parties and all that kind of thing when you were I remember that's when I first met you. And the place where we met, the community where we met, you would always do the and pantomimes as well. Yes. you get yes. everybody involved and get them all dressed up and you would be one of the main roles and were brilliant. And I used to go every year and take my grandchildren when they were little and it was such fun. I mean, there is a wonderful energy about that whole entertainment thing. But through this whole experience, even when you were on the stage, um, you still had this body dysmorphia, which was like really hating your body, not feeling good about yourself. And still are in that whole performance mode. So doing things that other people would never have the confidence to do by putting themselves on the stage like that, you did it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do remember being on stage. I was very good at performing. And then as soon as the applause would come, which would the applause would be for me, Manetta, I just wanted to rush off. And then I would go home and eat lots of crisps. That was my pattern because I couldn't take the applause for me, but for a performance, for a persona, I could be brilliant. Absolutely
0: extraordinary. And Although I'm leaping ahead in time, and I want to go back to when you started Relax Kids first, but having seen you recently doing burlesque and coming down brilliantly, I may add, with these extraordinary outfits, I don't know how you made them, but anyway, you did, all these layers upon layers coming off, and you'd stand there on the stage, in some kind of brief underwear, still doing that, and then rush off. I mean, I would never, ever have the confidence to do it, and yet you you constantly do this challenge to yourself. I mean, the other week I saw on Facebook this enormous poster of you this up in Oxford where you live, up in the Oxford covered market, advertising a friend of yours underwear range, and there you are all virtually naked in this enormous poster which everybody you know is going to see. And at the same time, you kind of challenge your own. Well, let's face it, lack of confidence about your own beauty, which is you're brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant that you're doing it, but I don't know how you've got the courage.
1: Yeah, I think I'm I'm super split somewhere internally. I'm doing it to try and convince myself that this is okay. The reason why I did that underwear shoot because it was a set in a beautiful lake setting and because i wild swim i just wanted to do the wild swimming bit and so i agreed and i didn't ever think she would use pictures of me because there were some real beauties there but she wanted to her whole ethos of her underwear range is showing women of all shapes sizes, and colors and and it's so amazing now that this is a thing diversity is 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 the most you know actually it's celebrated more and if you're an actress now, of you are a minority in terms of yes, being it's wanted. true. I mean, if we look at TV
0: commercials now, that sort of white, skinny, tall girls with long blonde hair aren't on them. So it just goes to show the time is right. And then going from that, you let's start talking about relationships because you were looking for a relationship, you were looking for a husband. You were, you are, and were an incredible romantic. And you'd met various men who you described in those days as the frogs, you know, that you kissed them and they turn, the prince turned into frogs.
1: I probably didn't kiss them, I just met them. <laughs> oh, all right, sorry.
0: <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I always assumed, I always kissed them <laughs> and then they turn into frogs and i even marry them sometimes. Anyway, so, but anyway, you didn't kiss them but you, you finally met somebody and I remember
1: the story a little bit which you'd met online So I, I, I have to say what I did do a month before I did a whole law of attraction thing. So I was seeing everything in twos, reading the secret. And this was my, once I commit to something, I really commit to it. This was my project. And so then I came back and I put an advert up on Gumtree uh, and the Magic Cafe, the uh, local vegetarian cafe saying, Cinderella. I was looking for a prince between 30 and 40, you're this kind and spiritual and vegetarian and I listed everything I wanted and I had 20 replies and one reply stuck out and we emailed for a week and it was just amazing and then we went to Blenheim Palace for a walk on our first date and four days later he asked me to marry him and we got married at Blenheim Palace a year to that day that he asked me that, yeah, to th- that we met. And today is my 14th anniversary from that day. We're not married now, but it's still a lovely story. Well,
0: congratulations. <laughs> it is a lovely story. There's a lot more to it than that. I was at that wedding at Blenheim Palace. You had got yourself absolutely laced into this, as skinny as you could be, into this, this, uh, this beautiful dress. you have given us all colour instructions and we all had to wear peach, and it was beautiful. You had the carriage, you had the... Not peep,
1: Dusky Pink. Oh, Dusky brand. Pink, sorry. Well, Pete sounds awful. And much nicer.
0: Yeah, no, it does. Sorry. Yeah, I'm Dusky Pink. <laughs> we all of us, all your friends were hunting around looking for some dusky pink clothes. And then you had the carriage, you had the horses, you had he was all dressed up. And let me just say that Stuart was a little bit younger than you and quite much more nervous than you were. And you got him all dressed up as this prince. <laughs> Talk about that. He chose
1: what to wear. I didn't choose it. that. Okay. Yeah, I, well, I, I won't
0: take giving you the responsibility for that one then. <laughs> but it, anyway, so and it was a bit like a pantomime. It was like being in Cinderella and there she was marrying her prince. And we were all, all your friends dressed up in this you in the palace i mean it was extraordinary that you you do have this ability ability to make your dreams a reality but sometimes your dreams are what you want rather than what you need that classic line in this instance and uh it hasn't worked out i'm sorry to say and uh it, it it's been a bit of a journey since then Anyway, Stuart, got involved with you in your business, which is just the thing I always do as well, not at the moment, but I generally have brought husbands and boyfriends into my business or start working with them, which is not necessarily the most recommended pathway, I think, for, for true happiness. It can be. I mean, some couples work together brilliantly, stay together, marry brilliantly, and it's fantastic. But I think it also can be a, a little bit of a risk. But anyway, so let's at this point talk about uh, relaxed kids and what the business is. And talk to us about the, the whole experience you had with Dragon's Den, which is such another great story, and, and all, all the things you've done. It's just an amazing, amazing, wonderful, successful story.
1: Well, I remember, Lynn, I think it was about 1999. I had this idea to to help children to meditate because what was happening, I was, over the years, I was noticing a change in children's behavior as I was performing and entertaining these children and their attention was getting worse and they weren't concentrating and I thought they need something. So I started bringing in bits of relaxation, meditation to my um, parties. And then I thought I need to do something with this. And so I had the idea to change all the fairy stories into meditations. And that became my first book. And then from that I developed this seven um, step system to teaching children to relax, which became the classes. And then I went on to do training. But I remember you coming around to my flat very, very early on, late 90s, early 2000s. And and I'm showing you some of the early relaxed kids mock-ups and you went oh yes this is good this is good and i and i remember feeling really oh well it's Lynn said it's it's a good thing to do i'm going to do it oh, wow well, <laughs> so you're glad of the time yeah. yeah no i'm really
0: glad to hear that because i knew straight away the whole idea the whole concept of teaching kids to relax and using as you do the fairy stories and myths to get them involved and and from there taking them on a journey is brilliant and Because, again, you're an actress, you're trained in performance art, you're able to use your voice. So in those days, of course, we were using CDs all over the place. And very, very quickly, you recorded a number of CDs and produced some books almost immediately. I mean, again, huge confidence,
1: huge courage. And with the money that my mother gave me to buy a flat, she gave me £45,000. That was my inheritance because she was going to India. And this was to buy a flat in London. And I just went... No, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to put this into making CDs for children, which is like crazy. But that's what I did. Yeah. And and so the concept of relaxed kids it fairly
0: quickly moved on to becoming something where you would teach other people. So over the years, roughly, how many women have learned to be relaxed kids? To- I've right. trained
1: over 5,000 coaches in 50 countries probably maybe 5,300 now. And I would say about 12 or 13 of those are men. So it's all women. And
0: that's absolutely incredible. Incredible. I had no idea. I had no idea it got into so many countries and so many thousands of women. And
1: did it change during lockdown? I mean, was there more of a need for it? Yeah, well, with, with in lockdown, we took everything online, of course, as everybody does. And so people were able to train yes some coaches panicked obviously we all panicked because a lot of school work was stopping but then some schools were still doing things on zooms and some coaches were doing sessions for the whole school and each classroom were on their own zoom if you imagine and they were there and they are teaching the whole. So it's opened up lots of different things. Some coaches have gone one-to-one into, school, into um, people's homes online and done sessions.
0: And you, were, and you have, from the beginning, worked quite directly with a lot of schools that come to you and say, will you bring this into your school? And you then find a local person to train up that can then facilitate that or back in the day when it wasn't online, I guess?
1: Usually, well, the school will come to us and then we will send them a coach if there is one locally or some schools, they they will train a teacher. And tell me about the Dragon's
0: Den. That was in 2005. I remember seeing it in 2005 and again thinking how courageous you were, but it seems like yesterday. So tell us the story.
1: I do remember watching the first episode of Dragon's Den thinking I would never ever go on that and then what happened in fact Lynn I wonder if it was I think it was from your email or something I have a funny feeling you're relate you're you're involved in this I may have been I think so and I thought oh well I'll fit it in and then I ended up going on to the next stage in the next stage and before I knew it I was being invited in I went and did the test and they said, if you get investment, and I was thinking, look, don't take it because we don't know. We might call you in six months or so. And they called me next day saying, we want you Tuesday. So it, it all happened very soon. I went in. I was sort of prepared. I did the whole thing like a fairy story, but they just laughed me out of the den. They laughed, but what they think they did say, well, my mistake, Peter Jones asked me did you set a spell on me? That's what he Well, he did say that. He said, I'm going to have to say now, I'm not going to invest because I feel quite hypnotized. But he did say, you're you're an actress, aren't you? And I said, yeah, my dream is to put on theatre for the West End for children to come for free. And he said, do you want to do this for free? And I said, well, that's an interesting point. I didn't set it up to make lots of money. I set it up to make social change. And at that point, there was pin drop silence and they say, did you just say you don't want to make any money? How can we invest? And that was that was me out of the den. And I cried all the way home. I wanted to give up then, but I just kept and so many times, Lynn, I have wanted to give up my business. I've offered it for a cow, you know?
0: No, 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 no. I'm afraid you found you found your sole purpose. One of them. There may be other things. I mean, you could you've already got a women's creative group you started, and there'll be lots of other things you'll do. But I thought. You said at the time, but that was probably making yourself feel better, that you never wanted their money anyway. I remember you saying this to me, and you really only did it for the PR, which you then used brilliantly.
1: The next morning, there were 40 orders on the desk. I walked into the office and the girl went, what's going on? Yeah, so it really did work for, for PR. I, I think what I wanted to do in my, in my little head was turn the money send it back and say actually no you don't have the same values as me I couldn't work with you anyway so so yeah I did do it for PR yeah (laughs) but then
0: you did after that get a lot of press I mean there was there was a lot of follow-ups to it because in those days because as I say it seems like yesterday but 2005 at the end of the day is like how 17 years ago and things have moved on a lot since then but the idea of what they call it, mindfulness now, or meditation for children was unheard
1: of. They just laughed. They thought it was ridiculous. And I remember going to so many exhibitions and talking to people, parents and teachers, literally laughing at the concept of children relaxing. Literally. and And a couple of people said, oh, you just need to wax them on the head. And I'm thinking, well, that's not funny. But it's just so bizarre. This is like 17, 18 years ago. And now look at what's where we are with mindfulness and children, absolutely. And, meditation. And, yeah. and in fact, when you think about it, the children that were then going through relaxed kids
0: programs in 2005, they would now be in their twenties.
1: Well, the first lot, Eleanor, she's now on the West End. She was one of my first. Yeah, she was about five and six when she first came. She's in my book. Uh, I've got the first five children that I practiced on in my flat. And, uh, and they, they paid a pound a week and it was fantastic. And she's now, I think her 30s, nearly 30, and she's on the West End. Yeah, And she puts it all down to, yes, being in the pantomimes, because she was four when she started being in the pantomimes, but also doing the relaxation, yeah. And I've, I've met teenagers, like 17, 18, 90-year-old, I think an 18-year-old in a pub, and when he realised it was me, he said, oh, my God, I still do that floating on a boat in my head. And then I also met a young boy who was going for Oxford University and I remember teaching him. He was four and nobody else turned up to the class and I was there with his mother and myself and she said, oh, he can't concentrate, do something for his concentration. So I came up with some ideas on the top of my head because nobody else was there. And he said, I still remember those exercises today. And now he's going in for Oxford. So amazing.
0: That is amazing. That's absolutely wonderful. And with the amount of stress and uh, mental health issues that children have got pre, well, not pre, post-COVID and during COVID, I mean, more important than ever that they learn how to relax and and communicate.
1: And how many books have you done? Because you're talking about your book, but you've done lots of books, haven't you? I've written 20, but I think 13, 14 are published. So the, the publisher has the rest. I just sent off 10 in one go and I said, well, do what you like. (laughs) You are so prolific. You are so, in every way, you are
0: just so extraordinarily prolific. And and I've got here 25 CDs, huge amount of product. And I also remember you taking on this office in Oxfordshire before you could really, really justify it. I remember you expanding. I remember you ordering all those CDs and those books and you were just so set that this was going to work. And it took amazing courage. And and I must say the one one of the assets of the of VX was that he was very good online with technology. So Relax Kids became very much an online and presumably still is an online product in many ways that people can, anybody listening to this who's got a child or a grandchild that they want to relax, they should go to Relax Kids and they can download all sorts of stories and meditations, which is fantastic. So are you finding now the business... Is going is changing because of coming out of lockdown. I've said to you before, what changes did it make? But is are you thinking
1: creatively in a different way? Are you planning new ways of doing things? We're we're working with some schools, which is great, and I'm constantly thinking of how I can make my thing is about making meditation accessible to children. And so, for example, I've just finished uh, another course in being, uh, to be a creative arts therapist. Now I don't want to, that's taken me a year. I don't want to be a creative arts therapist, but I wanted to just expand my own skills and think how I can, and all the things we were doing in Relax Kids anyway. But for module 20, we had to come up with an art piece. And then I thought, I'm going to do a board game that the coaches and schools and therapists can use. And so this is what I too do. do. I, I most of my ideas, nearly come in the shower or when I'm swimming. And and I just say every every morning and the office always groan because they go, Oh no, she's had an idea, she's had a shower, another idea that we have to put into practice. I have a bit of that situation here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I just feel I need to combine things. So rather, so nothing is wasted. I don't like waste it. And when I went to, I went back, I've got one degree, went back to do my second degree. It was for writing for theatre and TV. And I didn't really want to write for theatre or TV, but out of that came a, a play, which we then, it was a monster experiment, and a book, which I got published. And that play went around school. So Everything has to be used, although I do have lots of I have drawers of things that that are idea of ideas and books and just like too much. And tell tell me about the
0: burlesque a bit, because actually you did that in my son-in-law's club at the time in Oxford and it
1: I I just blew me away. What was the first you created these fantasy figures? Well, the idea came from, because I was doing wild swimming. So I was part of a swimming club and, and I think that's been very helpful because with wild swimming, with swimming, you, it, we're all shapes and sizes and, and everybody's changing in front of each other, outside things drop and it's all, it's no big deal. And so that's been very healing. And I went to a great tip no, It's called the blue tits weekend, blue meaning cold tits Says so what it is, but it but the, the logo is 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 little birds, and it we were camping in this this place, and there were a hundred people, hundred and fifty people, mainly women, and I just thought for the entertainment, I would love to do some a a show where it's swimming related, so I create this story and I do, but it's a burlesque thing because they would just love it, and I did it. And I had my big dry robe and I had fish coming out and all sorts of things. And then I ended up taking, you know, my clothes off. Not all, but most. most. <laughs> and, I loved it. and there was a girl there who said her friend, she's seen loads of burlesque. And her friend is an agent in Brighton. And she said, your burlesque is some of the best burlesque I've seen. And I'm thinking, well, I haven't trained. I was just, just making it up. <laughs> Maybe I'll have a go. And so I joined the Drag Collective in oxford and i sort of started doing drag queen acts and i did oh yes i did your son and... I love matt uh, the cat measle. i did their 21st anniversary and that was quite interesting and then i did a marie antoinette and then i did another one where i was walked into the theater and i pretended that i thought it was a dance class and then I was wearing all sort of like all grey and looking very frumpy. And then the music turns on and I listen to some affirmations. And then I start <laughs> oh,
0: learning, so just doing the
1: first <laughs> It's all pink underneath. So, yeah, it's
0: fun. It's fun. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun to watch. I love it. And then you film it. It's
1: amazing. Have you got some more coming up? But then, no, I haven't. Because then, Lynn, I have to say, when I look at the photos after, I go, oh, my God, how did I do that? that's what people have to see because somehow in my head it's it's a different body maybe that's what it is <laughs> and then I think oh no sub photos of the of the swimming thing I think oh you can't use that yes we can and she doesn't photoshop either that's her policy or oh, you could at least photoshop a little bit no they weren't <laughs> but you look great I mean you look absolutely fantastic
0: so I mean it's all back in the head and so if you, if you could change anything in your life today that is changeable, that would make you happy, what would it be?
1: The first thing I would change is, yes, what's going on in my head and this, this self-hatred. And you know, and this is why I've done relax Kids, I think, because, and I know where it comes from. It comes from, I can identify the point of when I was about seven and I was publicly shamed for being fat by people who I cared for And since then, I've carried that stigma. And, you know, it's interesting. I've always thought I was fat during doing all these pantomimes. And then 10 years, I would look back and I found a costume and it was tiny. It was tiny. So it's like we grow into what we believe Yeah. Oh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, I hope that you will change what's going on in your head because you are a beautiful woman. And I told you that. (laughs) <laughs> For as long as I've known you, and you, you have to see it. I mean, I'm just looking at you as we talk on Zoom here, and you look stunning, and your skin's beautiful, your face is beautiful, and you know you've got nothing to worry about. Whatsoever. No,
1: but we have to. It's like we have to.
0: You have to believe it yourself. It's all very well me saying it, but then you've got to, like, you've got to feel it yourself. Well, I hope you will. And of course, the love of your life these days is not your ex-husband, but is your beloved dog companion, Ronnie, who is, as we know, uh, a human being in dog drag and gives you lots of fun and enjoyment. And your home, which I visited last week, which I knew when you first moved in, was always a bit of a fantasy place. It's a beautiful co- cottage in the country with a beautiful back garden, but you've turned it into all these mini scenes throughout. Do you want to explain a bit about it? Because I think you should write a book about it. I said that to you last week. It show the people. These photographs of this extraordinary creativity and how you've turned it into your living space wonderful
1: well i I mean it mainly started during lockdown because during lockdown i just didn't want to go anywhere i don't want to go on holiday because i just think well the sun is the same the sky is the same as long as i'm happy i could be happy at home and my garden is very it's not as big as the gardens next door but it does have a little lake at the bottom and it's like a—I call it a slither of paradise and what i've done is when I'm out in it, I just can't stop but think of ideas and I think okay, I'm going to have a Moroccan deck over there. I'm going to have a, a gym over there, outdoor gym. This is and actually what I what I realized just the other day, that this garden, I didn't mention this when I saw you, this reflects my life in terms of there's there's a seating area, which is the colours of the rainbow, it's a whole chakra thing, which is the relaxed kids seven steps of the the chakras which was um
0: i work with the seven chakras with my power of seven i've never thought about that before with my
1: archetypes yeah very powerful absolutely and and then the moroccan deck is sort of like a nod to my my uh, exotic asian past then at the bottom of the garden there's a bed and it's just like a shamanic area with the green man and so that's sort of like all the sh- shame and stuff and then i've got a little yoga studio which is all very white which is a, like a little that's my meditation my spiritual aspect and then of course i've got a little swimming pool just a blow up paddling pool but i have a, a pebbles on the ground and a deck chair so it looks like a beach but it's all these these all these
0: amazing backdrops that you keep finding which yeah. i have never seen in my life these trot Trob tr- doyle you said Yeah, get the car boot sales. And so you've got where you've got your swimming pool, you've actually got a a sort of a backdrop that makes it look like it's in the beach. And then you've got a backdrop by the Moroccan one that makes it look like it's in a Moroccan palace. I can't quite remember that one, but that sort of thing. It's just amazing, absolutely amazing. And hopefully you will do the book and hopefully other people will be inspired because it's such a way, we're not traveling so much, you know, which it doesn't look like it's going to be very easy to travel anyway. Make your home your holiday destination, as you have. And
1: Yeah. I mean, going back to your challenges thing, I really, I think you're right. I do like challenging myself. And I remember, was it 2015? Um, So I was on my own. I'd been on my own for a while. So I got rid over my heartbreak. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do something new every single day. It was January the 1st for six months. So I'm going to go to a choir or do a dance class or listen to something or read a book or go to a new cafe. And I kept kept a diary and I wrote one line of each thing that I did. And then I looked back and that six months went so slowly and I could remember each day. It was quite amazing. And then on the sixth month, the last section, I went to a drumming workshop and I nearly didn't go to it. This is how I love how Providence leads us, destiny leads us to our next thing. Because I didn't really know, I'd written some books, I didn't know where I was going. And I went to this drumming workshop and it was at Ruskin College. And on the stairs leading up, there was, do you want to be a writer? Or um, do you want to do a degree in writing for TV? And I thought, actually, I'm a writer. And that was the first time After how many years? 15 years of writing books that I claimed that I was a writer. I didn't see that I was a writer before. And then I went went on that course and I did that degree. Really, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, it was a big advantage of living in Oxford because I used to live in the same estate as you and I never took advantage of all that. It's interesting because, again, in The Power of Seven, there are a number of archetypes. And one of the archetypes is the storyteller. And that's who you are. And whether you're telling stories through writing or performance or uh, creating these visual spaces, even, that's what you're doing. You're always telling a story. And as a storyteller, you can change your own narrative. So when I asked you before, about what you could you change to make you happy? And you said it's got to be something that you believe. Maybe that's the story. The next story is uh, your narrative.
1: So my friend keeps telling me every single day. I have a friend change your narrative, change your narrative. Absolutely. Well,
0: it's a good friend and it's a good story.
1: And are your are your power of seven the seven chakras as well? They are the seven
0: chakras as well, and and they go. I, I don't know if I've told you what the seven are. It's seed sower. Uh, yeah, I've told you. Alchemist, storyteller, medicine woman. Space Weaver, Sky Dancer, and Wisdom Keeper, and they all relate to the chakras. And we've worked with them here on Workshops where we do sound and breath work that also ties in with the chakras and body work. And this as a plug, I'm going to be doing my retreat for the Power of Seven in September, which actually would be lovely for you to come and tell your story. And we will be doing chakra healing and chakra rebalancing as part of the of what we do with the Power of Seven. Amazing.
1: Lynn, yes. Lynn, you know when I first set up Relax Kids, the classes... And I did um, the seven exercises. So they do movement, then they play, then they stretch, breathe, believe, relax, and I right, oh massage in the middle. And it was I set it up, and they they were going really well. And two years later, I realised it was following the seven chakras, and I had no idea.
0: I did not realise there was a chakra connection with my power of seven. You know, these things, as you know, they kind of come to us. You know, they kind of channel in, don't they? And when we give ourselves the space, whether it's in the shower or whether it's wild swimming or whether it's walking the dogs, these ideas come and they just come through. And then afterwards you think, oh, gosh, I don't know where the seven came from for me. And it just came together. And now I look at everything. It's like seven days of the week and seven sisters mountains. Everything is sevens and it is a sacred number. And so it's worked powerfully for you. And hopefully, well, as I'm developing right now, I've been working on it for four years, but I'm actually really developing it now in all areas that this whole – Power of seven thing is is very strong, so you are still coaching other women to become sort of relaxed kid franchisees, really.
1: Yes, they have their own business, and I'm telling you, Lynn Some that we put up a thing, or somebody put up in our forum, how many classes are you teaching a week? And one person put up twenty-eight classes, and that's one-hour classes. And another one put up twenty classes. That's twenty classes in school and and some one-to-ones and that's what you know that some coaches are doing incredibly well so 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 pleased well I, yes, I, I was going to say well. I
0: hope you you do acknowledge your own brilliance and are proud of what you've done because these coaches are taking your work out some to, to many many and the response is is so much needed as well as received with uh, the love and affection in which it was designed and developed. So I have nothing but congratulations. And I know that, you know, this is in a way just part of your journey in terms of work, that, you know, relaxed Kids has been a huge success and will continue to be so, and it will suit itself to the modern age as we change. And I can't wait to see the next aspects of your creativity that will emerge.
1: And that's that's the thing. I, I think I was getting a bit despondent at some point because I, you mentioned your purpose and I realized I'm not sure whether the meditation thing is my purpose. It's, it's almost like the creativity is the purpose and these are all the different. And so that's why I set up my, my new ignite your spark membership club, you know, club where I have willing and every week we are creative and we have subject topics and and I just love that club and it just gives me, I never think, oh, I've got to teach, you know, it's just so enjoyable. Well, you are yeah.
0: true. You are such a creative and it's great to think that you are doing that every week. It's wonderful. And um, I'm sure that's gonna spread into there won't be CDs and books, or might be books, might well be books. In fact, that's the book maybe that you do, and using the pictures of your house to illustrate rather than yeah, I can see it all coming together well fantastic absolutely fantastic i'm i'm very delighted for you and proud of you and 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 of your growth and and hope you find that inner belief in yourself and uh love for yourself that you so deserve to to find and we always have on the uh podcast we always have a simple exercise that people can go out and do inspired by what we've talked about today and i and i'm just wondering whether that might be that question, what would you change? What could you change in your life that would give you the happiness that you deserve? And the inner voice and the narrative is obviously, as we've talked about, is for you. And how would you go about that? Which is perhaps,
1: I don't know if you ever journal, but write, or write that book, write that book. Yeah, writing a journal, that little inner voice. Yeah. 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 And change
0: the narrative. So I think that's what we're going to have as our exercise this month. So thank you so much, Nettie. That's been very inspiring and lots of memories, including all the connections we've had over the years. And of course, there'll be lots more to come. And I hope you do come to Somerset and I hope you do come and visit the Seed Hub and perhaps come on our retreat and tell your story. That would be just wonderful. And uh, we'll see you soon. So thank you very much and love, love, love. As you would have heard in our conversation, Nessie and I discussed the importance of being in control of your own narrative, being the storyteller of your own life and how it is possible, journaling being a very good way of doing it, to change the negative into positive. So why not start writing a journal today where you are telling the story of your dreams? Thank you so much for listening and taking part. And remember that we will be putting up new episodes every few weeks and I do hope you will come back and join me again. If you like what you hear and want to learn more practical methods to help you plant the seeds in your own empowerment journey, then please subscribe to this podcast, rate it and review. Also, make sure to join our seed network if you haven't already and together with thousands of like-minded women, make new friends, promote your business and share your stories. Visit seednetwork.com to find out more. And until then, I'll see you next time on Frankly Speaking with Lynn Franks and Friends.